is Miami Total Football Radio. Inter-Miami's chances of making the knockout stages of the MLS's back tournament took a big blow after a 2-1 loss to the Philadelphia Union. NYCFC is next, and a glimmer of hope, but it's all hanging by a thread. One topic, and I've already used three metaphors. I'm Eric Krakauer, joined by Inter-Miami insider Franco Panizo. Franco, how's it going? It's going good, except uh, if you're Diego Alonso in Inter-Miami right now. Um, overall good over here on, on my end. I had a long night last night. Obviously, the late kickoff, the by the time the game ended and the press conference was done, and I wrote and rewatched the game, it was probably 7.30 this morning. So I'm a bit tired, but it's, uh, it's good. good. Good to be busy. You are a consummate professional, and I think that everybody should know that. When I was trying to call you this morning, there was no answer, and it was because you were getting some hard-earned rest. Good on you. I actually had to rewatch the game as well um, because I was absolutely exhausted last night, fell asleep after the first 20 minutes of that game, which I don't think should really come as a surprise to anybody considering what those first 20, 20 or so minutes were like. So I just watched the game a few hours ago to make sure that I'm on top of it all um, and rearing to go. So let's get to it. Okay, before diving headfirst into the game, this was the lineup. It was a 4-2-3-1 formation that Diego Alonso used. Luis Robles uh, in goal. Figal started as a right back. He and Sweat were on either side of Reyes and Torres, who was back from suspension. Ulloa and Trapp were in the double pivot. And then an attacking mid trio of Pellegrini on the left, Pizarro centrally, and Morgan on the right. Caranza was the lone man up top. The goals were scored by Kai Wagner, or Wagner, for Philadelphia, a pile driver from outside the box before Pizarro leveled it up after a pretty nifty counterattacking move from Inter-Miami. And it was a counterattacking move that killed the game. Chibilko finishing off the play, giving Philadelphia a 2-1 win against Inter-Miami. And as I said earlier or right at the beginning of the pod things very difficult now for inter miami but there still is a chance against N- uh, nyc fc franco let's start with the overall performance what did you think of it let's start with your use of pile driver there i, I liked it i like it. this is why they pay you the big bucks at uh at bn sports um, <laughs> don't know about big bucks <laughs> um Look, the the performance was an improvement over what we saw in the tournament opener against Orlando City, and I think it was maybe their best or second best performance. It's 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 there. The only other one that competes with it is the DC United game um, up until the red card. Those two games are Inter Miami's best matches to date, even though they lost both of those. Um, but even that. But all that said, with the positives came plenty of negatives. A lot of defensive disorganization poor shape uh defensively far too often at least on three notable moments two of them resulting in goals that stood one resulting in a goal that did not stand and it it just it's it's still not good enough it's still just not quite good enough and i know inter miami after the match talked about taking the positives from this one and the good moments that they had uh and the the ability that they that they were able to demonstrate of, of dictating the tempo and putting the game on their terms, which are good good strides and good progress, but it's just not it's just not enough. Uh, you know, this team was 
was talked about as being uh, competing for for a title in, in year one, trying to win it by year two, trying to become the most important team in this hemisphere, in the words of uh, co-owner Jorge Mas. And, you know, they've come out of the gates very slow. They're 0-0-4, uh, four straight losses to start 2020. It's just not been the the ideal scenario and the ideal start that, that anyone could have envisioned. I know that Toronto FC lost their first three games after they joined the league. I don't know if they lost their first four. So maybe Inter-Miami um, doesn't have company in that department. And of course, look, this is an unusual season, an unprecedented season, given what we've seen. And one thing that you and I talked about was that the blueprint that was starting to be applied or was started to was starting to be ingrained in the players' minds was interrupted and they have to start all over again. So I think we have to look at what has happened always with that as the context. But I but I agree with you that uh, while there was some improvement, I don't think there was a lot in this game that was necessarily uh, impressive. But let's start with... Uh, the big moments and the first big moment of the game is the goal that Philadelphia scores uh, with uh, what's his name again? <laughs> Kai Wagner. Kai Wagner. Yeah, you, you really, you really did fall asleep. I think you fell asleep before the twentieth minute. Uh, man. Kai I actually like uh, uh, Kai Wagner, the the German, the former Schalke two player, uh, Schalke academy uh, graduate. He struck the ball beautifully. Now I tweeted that. I, I don't think Robles could have done much about it. He gets his gloves on it, uh, and let me explain why. Uh, the ball is kicked out to him, so cleared out uh, into the position. He's at the top of the box on the on the left-hand side, drills it. There is a forest of players in black jerseys ahead of Robles. In fact, Reyes has to uh, sort of pivot now, to open that lane, I'm not quite sure why he did it. I guess he didn't want to deflect the ball and perhaps uh, betray Robles. And the ball also takes a nasty bounce just before it gets to uh, the netminder. Uh, what did you think of that play? So it's obviously to me, and I wrote this for on my article for SBISoccer.com this morning, um, it's obviously a... a, a total defensive breakdown just from the very start of the play and and you know I'll, I'll touch on that really quickly before getting to the obvious uh pile driver of a shot from Kai <laughs> Wagner um the play starts with Ben Sweat making the awful decision of deciding to challenge for a a ball three-fourths of the way up the field and committing a slide tackle attempt that he misses on doesn't get any of the ball and that allows Philadelphia to attack down the left flank or well, their right flank, but Inter Miami's left flank. Uh, Will Trap then is covering uh, Brendan Aronson, who gets by him far too easily, turns him way too easily. Will Trap in 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 trying to to keep him in front of him allows him the the inside lane towards the goal, and Brendan Aronson quickly realizes that and dribbles inward and then from there he plays the low cross ball bounces around a little bit lewis morgan comes in late maybe could have cleared it maybe um but he tries to control it for some reason and he doesn't falls to kai wagner he shoots and he scores robles gets a piece of it but he doesn't push it out um 
I think Robles could have done better. I, I know that, that that I've talked to other other colleagues and they've said there's been there's been at least one or two that have said you know Robles was screened, but there's a replay of the goal in which you can pretty much see that Robles had a pretty clear sight of the shot with nobody in front of him. Yes, there were bodies in the box, but there was a pretty clear line of sight for him based on on one replay. So I I, I can't I can't let I can't give him a pass uh, on on this one. I think he could have done better. And I think if you know if if we probably were able to ask him after game, I think he would say he he should keep that out. And that's and that's his number one job, keeping the ball out of the back of the net. So I it's 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 not just his fault because there were a lot of breakdowns that led to that. I mean, again, in, on the replay, there's like seven inter Miami jerseys in the box um and you know there it just the spacing seemed off the the positioning just seemed off obviously it's some it's last ditch defending it at, at that point but there were just so many mistakes made that led up to to that goal that it's just it's it's just it's just a tough one to take and, and a tough way to start the match as you were um analyzing that I was looking at the goal over and over and I'd completely forgotten that trap was beaten very easy it wasn't even really a, a change of speeds from uh, the the young yeah, it was just, the just young a recognition right just the, a recognition of space right the young uh, the young phenom from Philadelphia Aronson who is a really good player man um, he he's got a bright future ahead of him and I think part of that future may be uh, in Europe we we'll, we shall see unless he does a, a Landon uh, Donovan but just looking at that replay I think it's very harsh to uh, to criticize Robles although. You know what, Keith Costigan, who's the play-by-play guy at, at the uh, Sounders, he would agree with you because when I tweeted that, he responded to me with a big "hmm," as if to say, "You're, <laughs> you're wrong, crack hour." Uh, I, pay, I paid him five bucks. Um, you paid him you know, five I, bucks. I told, I told him via DM, if you uh, if you argue with Eric, I'll uh, I'll Venmo you five bucks. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> well, people are not afraid to argue with me uh, on Twitter. Well, after that, it seemed like Inter Miami had a little bit of trouble uh, getting into the game. It was really sloppy. Uh, f- from that goal onwards, and and that's when I fell and that's when I fell asleep uh, when the game was was live, uh, and when I was watching it today, I understood why I felt why I fell asleep. But there was a period in time in that first half where you did see Inter Miami grow, and actually, it's quite an effective uh, counterattack, uh, pretty much orchestrated by. The, the player who I think was the best player for Inter Miami, and, and that is uh, not Wes uh, Morgan, but <laughs> Lewis Morgan. Wes Morgan. I said actor yesterday, but I was I was thinking of the Leicester City. You said, you said that back. you said you said that recently on a on a on a different pod that um, or before we started a recent pod, and we had a good, nice conversation about that. Um, but yeah, Lewis Morgan. Lewis Morgan. Lewis Morgan. I thought he was I thought he was quite good, uh, particularly on the ball. But he sets up that entire play. It ends up at Pellegrini on the left, who I think was far more impactful than he was in the first game where he was playing, where he had to drift a little bit centrally, given that they were playing with uh, uh, a three-man back line and, and, and two wing backs. And then a little bit of a fortunate take by Pizarro, who I thought in the first half didn't seem – he was getting involved a lot. or He was, he was all over the place looking for the ball, a little bit of uh, uh, freedom license to roam in that uh, hole. But I, I I don't think he had a particularly good game, but he did well to control that ball, get a little bit through traffic, and then put it away. So uh, so there's a uh, a lot to to touch on and and discuss right there in the, in that package of details. I'll start with Lewis Morgan, who I agree was Inter Miami's best player on the night. He was confident, aggressive, 
try to take players on his set pieces were as dangerous or as accurate as they've been in in recent uh performances his crosses from the run of play were were solid and he was the key in that goal if if you could split up a goal into percentages i would give him at least 50 if not 60% of that of that inter miami goal he not only does he make the penetrating dribbling run from that starts in his own half um and takes the space that he sees in front of him then he passes to Pizarro, and he follows the pass. He follows the play. Yeah, he doesn't. The, the he, pass which to is, Pellegrini, by the way, the pass to Pellegrini is on a dime. It's a perfect pass. Well, and and before that even gets there, it's you know the fact that some players give the ball to the, to the ten to the playmaker, and then they'll just you know assume that that player will will make things happen. And so maybe maybe they don't make that run, but he makes a a, a curved trailing run behind him. Gets it back because Pizarro plays a one-touch ball, and then he plays it out to Pellegrini. Pellegrini feeds Pizarro. Pizarro collects it in, in the box and, and is able to slot it, slot it home. Um, Lewis Morgan was absolutely the the man of the match, even with his maybe error there in 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 the first right, Philadelphia the goal. goal. He still was overall the the best player on the night, and you could see his confidence grew as the match went on. And he had that one shot against Andre Blake. Yeah, moments late, yep. early in the second half, that could have put Miami up two to one, um, but Blake obviously makes a fantastic save to to keep it to keep it uh, level at that at that point. Um, you you touched on Pellegrini. You said you know and I agreed fully with what you said about about Lewis Morgan, but I don't agree with what you said about Pellegrini. I think he had a much quieter game this time than he had in, in the first game. I thought the first game against Orlando City was his best in an Inter-Miami uh, jersey to date. I thought this one was more of what we've seen from him in the first two games of, of the regular season where you can tell he's young and there's there's starting points there and there's potential. But because of his age, he's likely going to be inconsistent. And I thought he was very inconsistent. Um, obviously, he gets the assist, picks out Pizarro. That's kudos to him and credit to him um, and and positive review for him in that regard but overall I just didn't I didn't see much from him I think maybe there was one other play where, where he played a good ball in uh maybe at the top of the box in in the first half but besides that I I don't think he he was that threatening I don't think he was that active and I think that's why Diego Alonso eventually pulled him I, um and, and replaced him with uh with with your boy Jerome Kiesvetter, who, who who you've been wanting to see, yeah, 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 took a nice dive, didn't he? Uh, <laughs> a, 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 during the game, there was also the the play, uh, the one that you mentioned just before, with Morgan forced Blake into into that save. I thought the ball was going to go wide, actually, but makes the save look even more impressive. Maybe it would hit the post, but Pellegrini sets it up. Do you know what I like about Pellegrini? He looks like a a a, a straw of a man. Like uh, he's 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 quite skinny very nimble on the ball but he protects the ball he shields the ball very well and he's got his first touch when he's being closed down by a defender i think is one of the things that will ultimately set him apart from from other players because there's no doubt and i agree with you inconsistency i think is going to be uh, a part of his game because he's young but i think this guy is going to develop in, into a pretty good player and you look at the new signings uh, for inter miami the, the the new signings everybody's a new signing but you look at the kids uh, you know Caranza as well, who, who shields the ball very well, looks a, a lot like a like a number nine target man. I thought he would be a little bit different uh, f- from that. And you see the qualities that would make them or that made them very attractive to Diego Alonso or the brass uh, at Inter uh, Miami. Uh, 
Uh, speaking of Carranza, uh, well, actually before that, um, uh, Chibilko had a goal disallowed. And what was stunning, uh, other than the decision to disallow that goal because he looked to, to be onside, was just how poorly organized that defensive line was. And I understand that it was a turnover. I get it. But the, the fact that Aronson had that much space in between lines to turn to pick his pass uh, was was incredible to me. Yeah, again, it's another example of just poor defensive shape from the group. And that, you know, at that point, once you see it, you know, it can happen once um, in a game where you get caught out. But to see it twice and then thrice, a third time later on, which we'll touch on, that that to me speaks to, to the coaching. And that speaks to Diego Alonso maybe not preparing them in the best manner. Of course, after the match, they touch on um, it being down to lack of concentration and then making plays. But I mean, I don't, I, I, of course I don't, I don't see how players are going to come out and, and, and go out and, and speak out against their coach, um, especially so early on into a season or, or a campaign or, or a project. But I think this one's on Diego Alonso, I man. Just as it is on on anybody that that was on the field, whether it be it Will Trap or or Ben Sweat, just the defensive shape was was poor far too often, and um, it it needed to be better. It needed to be pointed out and corrected much sooner. Um, and yeah, it was it just it just wasn't wasn't a good look there for, for on that offside goal. Luckily, it was it was disallowed and it it didn't go to VAR apparently. So. Uh, Inter Miami lucked out there. Yeah, they did. And 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 to your point, a couple of things I think that we need to add. Number one, you have Figal, who has been arguably, I would say not arguably, the best center back for Inter Miami. Prone to a couple of mistakes, but a guy who who has every attribute uh, to to do very well in this team. He's moved to the right back position. He's played there at Independiente. I don't mm-hmm. think he was as effective in that position. Certainly not as comfortable. Uh, marauding up that right channel. Uh, you have the fact that you have another uh, partnership I- I- in the heart of the de- defense between Reyes and, and, and Torres. And then you add the other ingredient, which is the the switch to a back four again. You know, So not a lot of time to prepare. Two different systems. This one perhaps forced because you and I both uh, agreed on the on the previous pod that they would probably go to a 4-2-3-1. I think most people who watch this team would have figure that out so we're uh, certainly hey, not, hey. not there geniuses were, there were, but that's there, were, there no no there were a couple of uh a couple of graphics uh, that showed that, the 343 that, that showed a 343 with Pizarro at at right wing back I even you know texted to you um that that there that that was you know making the rounds by some people and you were like what no way <laughs> yeah. I mean that's how I read it when you texted to me I yeah, know you didn't put exactly any exclamation points but um so I stand yeah. corrected we are geniuses um, <laughs> I mean, we 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 know our stuff when it comes to their mind. I'll, I'll just I'll just say that. No, well, of course, if not, we wouldn't have this prestigious pod. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but but let me just say one other thing. What you see in that play is that Reyes is caught between two decisions. He knows that Sweat has pushed up a little bit too far because it was a turnover. So you have Santos on the wing, essentially hugging the wing, and that's Reyes' guy. You got uh, Ch- Chibilko, who is in between him and Torres, uh, and then you you have Aronson who brings the ball down, turns around. Now, I understand that Reyes is a young guy. You actually see him turn his neck and look at Santos, right? Instead of going to Santos, which he can't because he would leave a wide open lane for Aronson, 
he starts tracking back. What he needed to do in that situation is he needs to attack Aronson, put him on the ground. That's one of those situations where you have to foul a player, take a yellow, or at least just try to close him down. He did neither. That leaves a huge hole, and the pass is terrific, and Chibilko uh, scores uh, a, a beauty. Um, anything you want to add there about that? No, no, no I, I mean, again, it's, to me it's just obviously there's a lot of individual mistakes, but they all add up, and it all to me just, again, just re- brings you back, back to the point that I think Diego Alonso needs to better prepare this team, um, whether it's tactically or um, maybe a change of game plan. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what he needs to do, but that, that, that to me, this game to me, I don't, and I don't know how you, what you think about it, but um, to me, this is on Diego Alonso as much as it is uh, any any one player. Oh yeah, of course. Look, the the coach is going to take a lot of responsibility. So are the players, and I don't think overall, the, individually, the performances for, by these players was well. The, well the, was there's terrible. there's I, t- I spoke to someone uh, today that's you know he- heavily involved in the MLS world, is um, a former player himself, and he he his opinion was that this Inter Miami roster is just not very good. If you look at the squad, he thinks it's not it's a mid table. Uh, team in Major League Soccer, and if we were speaking about a regular season um, schedule uh, and standings, and that and that this like the squad is just not that good. So if the squad isn't that good, why are they selling expectations of being such a great team? And that that well, was more along his line of thinking. But I, you know, if we if we're gonna go down the the path of this team is not that good, and these mistakes are 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 being made because the players are just aren't good enough. Then I mean that's another conversation that 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 can be had I guess at a later at a later date because um, this team is supposed to compete this team there was there's such high expectations on this squad and, and so much said about this squad that um, if this team isn't as talented as they've made it out to be uh, and as has been touched on by by people in the press ourselves included then you know it's gonna it's gonna set unrealistic expectations for what for what this team yes is and what can what it can be right and how quickly it can be that i I have to agree somewhat with that with that player and this was something i was going to say in the pod in the pod yesterday but i think it might be a little bit too early to make that assessment that the team is sort of mid-table team and and not good enough to compete uh for the playoffs and 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 sort of i've felt that way but i felt that it was too early to make that assessment and i'm going to continue to say that however i will say this you look at this Philadelphia team that didn't play particularly well, right? But you look at the things that they did well or the players who did the things that they're supposed to do well, th- they did. You look at, for example, uh, Martinez, the Venezuelan uh, anchorman in the midfield. He was very good at shutting down space. He was very good at at, at, at making sure that Inter-Miami for, for large swaths of the game uh, didn't have much of a flow. And Bedoya played a part in there too. Attacking down the left wing, Jamiro Montero, who is, uh, who's, who's dummy and assist uh, led to the, to the second goal. I thought every time he was on the ball, he looked confident. He looked like he could do something with it. You look at Aronson, who I mentioned before, looks like a real peach of a player. He's only 19. And then... Prisbilko, uh, Chibilko, sorry, Chibilko, with a couple of opportunities, scores two. One is disallowed in, in, incorrectly. So it seems to me that even though Philadelphia didn't play better than Inter Miami, I don't think. I don't think you can make that argument. But the things that they needed to do in order to win, they did. Whereas Inter Miami certainly 
didn't. But let's uh, let's talk about a couple of well, let's talk about the goal. Let's talk about the goal that puts Philadelphia up two uh, one. It's a counterattack. I, I don't remember exactly, but it seemed to come from an Inter Miami corner. Uh, it, was off, I, it was off a free kick. It was off a free, it was kick, off a free on the, kick on the right. Um, it gets cleared and played towards the end line, um, and the Union cleared that, uh, clear that 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 pressure. Well, there's um, a dummy. There's a dummy from right. So the it, they, clear, they clear. They clear it forward to Montero. Montero pulls off the dummy, and Will Trap obviously gets beaten by that. And then it's from there. It's a three on one against Ben Sweat. Um, and I don't want to harp on it because I think I've made it very clear and on the, the beginning of this pod. Um, Obviously, Aronson still has to find, make that final pass, and uh, Jabilko turns Ben Sweat with a with a fake shot, and then curls it home Far too really easily. well. Far too um, easily, by the way. But listen again, and I don't want to harp on it. I'll reiterate that. But that to me is Diego Alonso. Uh, he sent Nico Figal, Andres Reyes, and Roman Torres up into the box to try to get a header on that set piece. That's normal. That's what a lot of coaches do: send your tallest targets into the box for a dead ball situation. But then you got to organize your team. For for the scenario that a counterattack comes the other way, and you had to set them up in a good position, and they did not do that. Ben Sweat was the only player, uh, the only player really left behind, and he was at the midfield line by himself. He had Will Trap a little bit further ahead of him, and that was it. And obviously, the like the, the Philadelphia pulls off some some makes some good decisions to 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 get into Miami's half as effectively as they did. But you need more than that. You need, especially when you know that Ben Sweat and Will Trapp are not the most athletic guys, you need at least another player positioned somewhere to help out in, in that regard. And that's, again, another breakdown defensively, another, again, poor defensive shape. And that is on Diego Alonso a, a, a good percentage um, and something that I'm sure he's going to look at uh, on the tape and say, I need, I need to correct that because that's on me as much as it is on, on the players. Well, it's interesting that you said that because the one thing that caught my eye about that play was how many players that pushed up. It was 1-1 at the time. Uh, there wasn't a lot of coverage. And, of course, it takes it, it takes a moment of, of, of real smarts from Montero to dummy the ball. And that's what beats Will Trapp because Will Trapp is the guy who's supposed to trap – uh, excuse the pun, Philadelphia in in that in that situation. And actually, just before Philadelphia scored, um, I, I think it was uh, at the 63rd minute, the period, the 10 minutes just before that, I thought was the best period that Inter-Miami played in that game. And one of the players who I think was crucial to that was actually Will Trapp. Will Trapp is to blame on the first goal. I think it's a little harsh to say he's, he's to blame on the second. But in that 10-minute period, when Inter Miami had most the most possession, when they were able to link up play quite effectively, Trap was excellent at reading the spaces uh, to find those areas where he needed to close down Philadelphia, and he recovered a lot of ball the balls in, in that period. But of course, everybody's going to point to the two goals. I think most players, most players in Trap's situation, are going to be fooled by that dummy. And again, I agree with you. Not very well organized defensively. I was a little impressed with how quickly the Inter Miami players got there. But Ben Sweat turns his back on that drop of the shoulder from Chibilko far too easily, uh, and the shot is is well placed. He finishes it really well. But you saw a lot of individual errors in that play. That is one hundred percent sure. Um, yeah, and look, uh, I agree with you that Will Trap had 
in terms of passing the ball and moving the ball. He had a fairly solid game. Actually, in my SBISoccer.com player ratings that I did, that I do for every Inter Miami match, I was well, I was I was between a five and a and a four and a half for Will Trap because I thought in terms of moving the ball and passing, thought he did a good job. He even set up Julian Carranza on one look that should have led yep. to a, a good chance on terrible goal. But got, terrible, and, and we can touch on that really quickly because um, we haven't gotten to, to touch on him and his performance and his first start. But I thought Will Trapp had a, had a solid game in terms of moving the ball and passing the ball. And But he was involved in, two, in the two goals that they surrendered. He was a, he was a, a chief... Uh, uh, protagonist in both sequences. Yep. Um, whether you know whether you can say you know the he, the dummy's a, a moment of brilliance. Yes, it's 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 smart, it's effective, and it's it's unpredictable um, in, in that moment. So it, it kudos to 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 Montero, but Will Trap has to do better, and he's he's a player that knows that he's not a young player. He's he's been around. He's played for the U.S. Men's National Team. He. I, he needs to do better, and obviously the defensive game, as we've discussed on last week's pod, is not his strongest suit. He's more of a of a thinker, of a reader of the game, as opposed to getting stuck in into tackles. But he has to do better there. He has to do better, and and, and Ben Sweat does too. Ben Sweat's involved in both goals they give up um, as well. I thought they were two of the worst performers, but I thought the worst performer, and I guess that's a good transition to get to him. And I know you liked him a bit, but I thought the worst performer on the day. Was Julian Carranza? Obviously, he doesn't give up goals. Um, he's he's up, he's up front, but he wasted two great opportunities that he should have had. That he it probably puts at least one of them away if he can get a a, a, a good first touch on. Well, if one not forces, bo- if not both. Right, one forced a, a Blake into a into a save. It, right, he, it was make... it was it wasn't really a save. Blake just came off his line and, and got to the ball before before. No, no, Carranza not that did. one. Not that one. The first one. Carranza had a chance. I think it was still in the first half where it's a half chance. He swings his boot at it. He doesn't. Oh, yeah, with he it. like he smacks it weakly. And, right, and, weekly. And, like yeah, but there, but there was two plays in the in the second half in which. He he had he should have had open looks and one of them was on the will trap ball. I forget what how the other one came about at the moment. Um, but he uh, he just botched them both and and I, you just can't have that for your number nine. And again, this is where the mistakes come into play because it's not all the defensive mistakes. We're not just going to pick on Will Trap and Ben Sweat in the attack. You need more from your number nine. You need him to take those clean touches if he's if he's in on goal. And he's young. He's getting used to the physicality of MLS, surely. Um, but that just wasn't good enough from Julian Carranza. And I thought, aside from the from the from the the port first touches, I thought overall he didn't show a whole lot from the run of play. Um, I think he has good starting points. I think he'll he'll make good once he gets used to the physicality of of Major League Soccer. Probably a, a step up from from maybe in Argentina where the games are a little bit more open, but yeah, I, I thought I thought he was the worst player on the on in the in the starting group. Yeah, I don't I don't think I can disagree with you. And we haven't talked about Uyoa, and I thought he had some very good moments in the game um, as well. But you know, for the sake of time, we we don't even need to go there. And and I agree with you. Carranza did not have a very good game, but he showed at moments, and by moments I mean one or two touches or when he had the ball of what he is going to be able to do. And, and let's not forget that he was 
you know, injured for a very long time. So he hasn't had the preseason that everybody else had. I know that there was a break and everything starts from zero again, but I think that makes a huge difference. He doesn't have what in Portugal you call a intrusamiento, which is sort of like a, there's no direct translation, but like an understanding with, uh, with your, with your teammates yet. And I think that will come. And the fact that he protects the ball well, the fact that he's got a decent pass on him, there are a couple of balls where he opened up the play to Morgan on the right very quickly. Uh, which shows that he was already aware of Morgan's positioning. I think he, he'll come good, just just like Pellegrini will. The question is, how long is it going to take for either of those guys to come good and for Pizarro to really form formulate some sort of understanding with all his teammates, um, You know, given that he's going to be the orchestrator and he certainly has that number uh, on, on his back. Uh, any last thoughts? Oh, and by the way, Roman Torres smacked the header off the crossbar. So really, overall, by the by judging the play, it should have really ended 2-2. It should have been a draw. It, it, could, it could have very easily been a draw. You know, maybe a, a loss was a bit... Uh, harsh. Uh, harsh. That's the, that's the right word I was looking for. For Inter-Miami, uh, just, you know, to round out the, some thoughts um, and, and to make sure we touch on everything, I, I, I do want to touch on really quickly on what you said a little bit ago about Pizarro I don't think it was his best game either I think he obviously scores the goal and does that well obviously combines well with Lewis Morgan but I thought some of his decision making some of his passes were not as good as his usual standard as we've seen in, in previous matches so I thought he he dropped a little bit in terms of his his rendimiento his performance um I thought Andres Reyes was really good for much of the match that he gets a needless second yellow in the dying seconds of the match he gets sent off, and he will miss the, the, the group stage finale against New York City FC. Um, and I agree with you that Figal, Figal was decent at right back. He's played there at Independiente, like like you said. Um, I agree he looked uncomfortable. But uh, overall, it's just, just not enough good performances on the day for Inter-Miami. Yeah, uh, I would agree. And with that, we're going to do a little preview of the game against NYC FC. Right, on Monday morning, 9 a.m., NYCFC is the next opponent, and they, like Inter-Miami, have lost their first two games, this last one, against a pretty impressive Orlando City. It has to be said, the pressing that we saw against Inter-Miami was in full effect against NYCFC, who, at the beginning of the tournament, I think, and you'll probably agree with me, Franco, you, you and I have covered that team, or covered that team for a very long time. Uh, together, best ice cream, one- best best press box ice cream, um, best in, press box in, food in MLS. Oh no, 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 Atlanta, no, no, Montreal, actually, I'm not Montreal. gonna, no, I'm not gonna lie. At, at, uh, uh, Atlanta, I, I, I've only attended one of their games. It was MLS Cup 2018. They have great food and they have yeah. a very modern ice cream dispenser that literally spits out the ice cream in like two seconds it's not one of those slow rollers that you're that we're used to it was fascinating to see how quick that the ice cream came out but anyway uh on... oh, but this is good this is good this is kind of inside <laughs> stuff that a lot of people don't I mean, know that's why that's why i wanted to share it because it's like you know it's it's a small little detail but it's you know it's interesting um and, but and but... just and just to continue on that thought you know i've been to the atlanta united stadium quite a few times it's very very impressive but i've never been there as a as a as 
a member of, of, of the press. So I still have to, um, uh, taste their, their food, their, uh, what is it, what is it they call your, their spread? Yeah. Well, we'll take a road trip once, you know, this, this virus passes hopefully, and there's games that people can attend again. And we'll take a quick road trip, um, on a weekend up for a Miami, uh, Atlanta game. How about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just, okay. So talking about NYCFC, man, they have disappointed. Uh, I was going to end my point by saying, before that they I think they were one of the favorites they were one of the favorites to win this tournament um, considering um, the team that they have of course they've got a new um, a new coach in 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 Ronnie Dila but uh, I think that's how you pronounce his his last name Dahlia Dahlia but uh but really very very poor yeah, I mean, the, the first game against um, Philadelphia Union, they lose 1-0. Probably could have gotten a draw out of that one. This last game against Orlando City, which, man, Orlando City's looking not like the Orlando City we know, um, but it just hasn't been a good a good showing for New York City FC uh, overall. They they haven't been able to score goals, not only in this competition, but this season in MLS play. Um, so this has carried over since the, the first two weeks of the regular campaign. Um, and this is going to be a, a, a do-or-die match for both of these teams. And obviously, not even winning guarantees you anything because it depends on on how other teams do. And, you know, if you're one of the four best third-place finishers, whether you advance or not, obviously a draw would doom both teams. So I don't expect them to play very conservatively, um, especially in the second half once once the game unravels a little bit. I don't think they're going to come guns blazing from from the opening whistle on both sides but i think once the game gets going and once the 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 realization that the tournament might be coming to an end i think the both teams are going to open up and, and take lots of chances and we, then we'll see a game that that might have a few goals in it um inter miami it's it's going to be interesting what they do now obviously like we said andres reyes is we got a red card was ejected so he's out um so do you go again with a four four man back line if you do and you put Figal back in the middle, or do you Nielis put you know, back in. do you put Nielis back in? I mean, it, I wrote about that in my in my grades piece as well, um, which is also an analysis piece of, of the match. Uh, there's a there's a conundrum right now at right back. There's been three starters in the four matches. You had Alvis Powell first, Dylan Nielis for the next two, and now Nico Figal. Clearly, Diego it's Alonso. A clearly, it's a problem. Right, clearly Diego Alonso hasn't liked what he's seen. He's rotated guys. He's looking for a solution. Um, and he doesn't. He hasn't. He hasn't been convinced by anyone. Maybe he liked what he saw from Figal uh, in this last one. But you know, with Reyes out, Figal most likely goes back in inside, and then you're gonna have to go with Nielis or Powell. I think Nielis, like like you just mentioned, gets the nod. Do you put Do you put out Ben Sweat again? Do you go out? Do you Do you throw Ben Sweat back out there after this uh, perf- after this performance that he had, or do you go with maybe someone like like Breck Shea? Have, we haven't or, seen him in yeah. this tournament. We saw Mike, Mikey. We've, Amb- we've, Ambrose we've seen Mikey. We've seen Mikey Ambrose. I would I would say he's the safer or the more likely pick if if there's a change made at that position. But maybe maybe he takes that that gamble. Maybe he says, you know what, let's get Breck Shea in there. I've I've seen what I can get out of out of the other guys, um, and I want to see what Breck Shea can do. So maybe maybe there's a, there's a chance we see Breck Shea. Uh, if not, you know, it'll be between Ben Sweat and, and Mikey Ambrose. Um, I think the midfield might might need to be changed again. Like, and I know he, it, Alonso and Inter Miami talked about the positives and that there were good, like, he, Diego Alonso was asked about 
Inter Miami's performance and and the person the the media member that asked the questions said something along it was in Spanish said something along the lines in translation um, that I'm translating here is like there was good spells of play and you know Alonso who was calm yesterday he wasn't wasn't uh, angry or frust- overly frustrated he was pretty calm uh, in his response he said I disagree with your with your point or your opinion that it was in spells he said I thought we played good for long moments. Um, in the match, which I don't agree with, I don't think Inter Miami played well for long stretches. Did they to have possession and put the game on their terms? And yes, but did they combine often and and open up Philadelphia's defense for clear cut opportunities? I, not really. Not Andre Blake wasn't overly tested in 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 uh, in this last match. So um, I think that the change needs to happen in the midfield. I don't know if he if he makes the change. I don't know if 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 he puts in Lee Win, but maybe, maybe given Will Trapp's t- issues, um, maybe he sees value in, in, in making a change. I'm not sure how likely it is, but um, I think that the rest of the, the rest of the group uh, will probably be the same. You'll see Pizarro, you'll see Lewis Morgan, uh, probably Pellegrini, um, and then Carranza maybe again up top. Agudelo was a was an interesting scratch for this one not because you know like we said in the last pod he was he didn't play that well against Orlando City but he wasn't even in the 23 um for for this game against the Union so that was a bit curious we'll see if he makes a return at least into the into the the match day roster but I think I think we're going to see more of the same group slightly maybe maybe one or two changes and it's just going to come down to to if they can improve in the attack and if they can cut out these mistakes at the back yeah I think so and and given how badly NYCFC defended against Orlando City. I think there are going to be opportunities there. It's curious to see NYCFC play with a three-man back line. Uh, Tinderholm pushing up a lot more, a la Matarita on the opposite side. It, there's so many question marks about this game. Um, you, you know, I said that I said that Inter-Miami would score three goals in this tournament in, in the group stage. They've scored two. Um, have they scored two? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah they scored two. two. Yeah, they scored two. So um, I think they score one here. I, I just think that perhaps NYCFC clicks uh, if for this game. The urgency, the understanding between players. I think Keaton Parks probably starts this game as well as Mitrisa, who came off the bench, didn't add very much, and uh, Tajuri uh, Shradi also came off the bench. Um, but the question is, do you do you say Castellanos because Eber is always going to start up top, and Eber is I think going to be the the key man here yeah. because because I don't think out of every team that um, apart from L- LAFC, but that's a whole different beast because you're talking about a three headed monster in the attack that moves very well, and Carlos Vela is not your your prototypical forward, right? He's, he's a winger who cuts in, but he's much more I- I- than that in, in MLS. But I think the Ever, the sort of poacher, uh, the guy who's always in the right place, I, he knows how to find space. I, I just don't think they faced anybody like that. And considering that we don't have Andres Reyes, it's going to be a new partnership again in the middle. Uh, he, he might do some damage in this game. I agree with you 100%, Eric. Um, Eber is not a sexy name, not a name that, you know, the, the the average fan will know or that, you know, even Inter-Miami fans might know, but I think he's going to be the key. And I think it's going to, his performance is going to make Inter-Miami fans realize that much more. I think it's already clear, but I think they're going to realize that much more how much 
the team needs a number nine, but it, it's going to be tough, man. I, I see multiple goals. Uh, I, I'll, I'm going to, I usually keep my predictions till day of, but for the sake of the, of the pod, I'm going to say two, two draw that knocks both of the teams out. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, it's going to be a good game. I'm looking, I'm definitely looking forward, uh, to watch it. Um, so I think we can pretty much leave it at that. Um, and just a reminder to you, to oh, our listeners your before, before we wrap things up. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with three, one NYCFC. Uh, I think that, I think Eber is going to, is going to have a cracking game. Uh, and, uh, it's more about, it's more about what's happening in that back line, um, than anything else. And I think that what we need to talk about after that game, when we do the pod is what that means for inter Miami going forward. Although MLS is still trying to figure out what the heck is going to happen after this tournament, because it's not looking great here in the USA. I'll give you uh, time for one last comment in a second. Franco, I just want to remind everybody. Uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody because our numbers have have, have, have grown ex- exponentially. Um, so thank you very much for that. Thank you for downloading the pod. Please review um, the pod um, only if it's more than three stars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and uh, a reminder that you can, you can follow the pod on Various social media platforms, uh, lots of uh, analysis from Franco Ponizo, who, as I said uh, in the opening of this pod, is uh, deeply immersed in Inter Miami uh, life. Um, so, like, he gets to talk to a lot of people on and off the record. So, definitely do that, Franco. In 20 seconds or less, final comments. I'm gonna have you. I'm gonna hire you to. Write my resume. Um, <laughs> we finally got to see the Rosa Negra jersey, the away jersey, in action in this game against the Union. It wasn't terrible. It was an okay look, I thought. Just didn't have enough pink. A little too focused on the black and, and not enough pink. I thought there should have been maybe some more pink on the shorts. But we've talked about jerseys on this pod before, so I'll just leave it at that. And with that, that is a wrap. Hasta la vista, big soccer heads.